live from the summit in San Antonio, Texas, the Corps presents SEALs Training Boot Camp with Kendra Cook and Kay Watanabe. Today's topic, profit and loss for real estate. Good afternoon, everybody. How many of you are nervous about being in the P&L class? You're awful quiet. Okay, thank you for your honesty back there. All right, so this is class is being recorded today, correct, sir? All right, so if you have a question, please raise your hand so we can bring a mic. So we record uh, four classes every uh, summit, and then we turn them into audio. So when you guys are out doing a walk or you need to revisit a class that you were at, it's on a podcast on the website, so you can download it and listen. So if you have a question, please raise your hand, okay? Um, this is probably, I teach all the money classes on the realtor side. Rick teaches all the money classes on the lender side. And it's usually because there's a ton of fear around our money. A ton of fear, right? I don't have it all figured out, but I've been under Rick and Rita's leadership for 15 years. Um, I was telling some folks at lunch today, Rick looks at my personal budget the first Tuesday of every month. It's quite intimidating. I, he has a way lot more money than I do, Okay. But I am very proud from where I started and where I came from. So those of you that are coming to my money class tomorrow, we're going to talk more about personal money. But today, it's all about your business money. So let's set it straight. Your profit and loss, your P&L, has everything to do with your business, has nothing to do with your personal money, except the profit that you get to keep. Okay? So if you are commingling funds, you won't after today. Okay? Now you will know how to run your business on a P&L, and then you're going to take the profit home, and we're going to talk about your personal money tomorrow, okay? So how many of you, um, we're going to do a stand-up sit-down because we've been sitting all day and our bums are getting <laughs> a little tired, all right? So get a little energy in the room. If you do a P&L right now on your business every single month, stand up. If you'd have one done. I don't care who does it. Okay, so less than half of the room. That's awesome. Okay, sit back down. How many of you know exactly what your taxable income was for 2018? Stand up. You could tell me what your taxable income is right now. <laughs> okay, so less than half of the room. Okay, sit back down. How many of you have no freaking idea how much you made in 2018 because you haven't filed your taxes? Stand up. All right, we're going to fix those of you that just stood up. Okay? You're never going to be in that predicament again as long as you're in the core. You're going to know your numbers. Just like your seller should know their numbers or your buyer should know their number, what they pre-qualify for, what they're going to get from the closing table, what they need to qualify for their loan, how much do they need at the closing table. We teach them that and we don't even know our own numbers. How crazy is that? Trust me with your biggest asset ever. However, I have no clue how much money I made last year. A lot of trust in this business, huh? Right? So let's talk about, brainstorm for a few minutes, why those of you that don't do a P&L, or those of you that haven't filed your taxes, what, 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 why not? What's the motivating factor? Why not? Shoot it, shoot it out. Kay's going to write it up on the board. Why not? Yes, Angela. Fear! Truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, painful. Why else? So 
So no money. Bury, bury your head in the sand because you have no money. Why else do we not do P&Ls on our business? Yes, ma'am. Time. Procrastination. No organization. Don't know how to do it. Did you guys learn how to do a P&L in your real estate school? Nope. Oh, shoot. They left that part out of the book. Right? Why else? Anything else? Paid auto, so you don't really pay attention to it, right? I know auto draft is really good, but not when you're starting to look at your numbers. It's horrible because we turn our blind eye and we're like, oh, it just comes out. Don't want to face the truth. That's a true story. So we are here today to break the profit and loss down into very, very simple terms. Um, Rick is not a complicated man. If you've had any kind of conversation with him or spent any time watching him on the stage today, he's pretty simple, right? So our process comes from him. It's very simple. The lenders do it. We do it. We have to do it, okay? So there's not an option. If you decide to come with us, you're going to learn how to do a P&L. You're not going to master it today in this class. It's a process. But we want to start the dialogue today, opening the door of how to do it. If you have somebody that does it, I would tell you, I would encourage you. I'm going to bring Jeff up in a little bit. He's going to give us some feedback around it. But I would honestly tell you, you need to do it yourself for at least six months to a year. So it's really painful when you write those numbers down because you take hold of it versus just looking at it. It's kind of like your bank statement. So we're going to talk about that today and give you a very simple process to follow to move forward. Okay? And before we're done, hopefully we're going to fix all of these items that are an issue so we can move those obstacles and adversities out of your way so it becomes a habit for you to do it every single day or every single month, okay? So uh, to jump in, I'm going to introduce Kay um, and tell some stories around Kay. I was his <laughs> second coach when he came into the Corps, um, and when we got Kay, he was the Internet junkie. Anybody in here an Internet junkie? Buy a lot of leads on the Internet. So Kay was the Internet junkie, and I was coaching him, and I was beating on him and beating on him and beating on him, and I kept telling him, you've got to build a relationship-based business. That's all I know. So you heard my spill this morning. That's just really what I do. I listen, I find the need, and I follow up. I take care of it. That's what I do. I don't know how to convert a cold lead. I don't cold call. It gives me anxiety. I don't even know what anxiety is, but that's what cold calling does to me. I don't like it. Okay? So I got Kay as a student. He had a really good business. He had a pretty big ego. And uh, I got him, and he kept saying, oh, this business is great. And I would say, well, what's your profitability margin? Well, it's not great. I'm like, no, because you're spending everything you have trying to get a lead in the door, and then you give the lead away to your buyer's agent. It's not a profitable margin or profitable model. You've got to change your margin. So fast forward, he's one of our most profitable realtors in the court. But my favorite story that I'm going to share right now is I've been coaching him for a year. And I don't know if any of you have ever been coached or have been coached, but you have to trust the coach. When the coach tells you something, you have to trust that they have your best interest at heart or you really haven't surrendered to the process. Jeff's been beat on by Rick for years. I've been beat on Rick for years. Kay's been here not as long as me, but a long time. And when your coach says, I need you to stop doing this and go this direction, and they go, okay, you know that person is following you, Okay. So Kay's been following me on and off for years as a coach, but this last school year I've had him. He's completely cut out all of his Internet leads. He's a 100% relationship-based business because he's 100% surrendered to the core. That's a, tough, that's a tough pill to swallow for those of you in here that are buying leads. 
Would that be hard for you if I said cut that all off today? Right? It wouldn't happen overnight. So you got to trust me and you got to follow that process to build those relationships. So that's one of the most things I'm proud of. We brought Kay up as a coach about a year and a half ago. Um, he is a fantastic gentleman. If you want to spend some time with how do you get over the fear of giving up that or how do you give up the fear of really surrendering, um, becoming a great, great realtor, running a huge branch, super profitable. You're going to hear a lot of tactics from him today. I'm honored to coach with Kay. Give it up for Kay, and he's going to talk about the P&L for a few minutes. Thank you, everyone. I, I was so excited to teach this class because everything that you put down here, that was me before the course. Okay? It's probably even worse because I was in debt. I owed money to the IRS. I mean, anytime we talked about money, it was scary. All right? So one thing that I want to just encourage everybody here, and you, and you, you see people standing up and sitting down, and if you're the one that didn't stand up because you're not doing a lot of this, it's Okay? That's why you're here. You paid a lot of money to be here. We're going to teach you as much as we can in this short period of time. But I encourage you, be honest with yourself, pull back the curtains, and really figure it out. Okay? For years, I didn't know this. And it got me in trouble. A lot of trouble. All right? I was that person that came in, and anytime someone asked me, how much did you make, I, I used my gross figure, because that's what they tell you. Right? You win plaques off of... Your GCI. But I didn't know that I was only making about 10 to 15% off of my GCI. That's true. It's scary. Okay? I didn't know when I was having a bad month or when I was losing money because I never did a P&L. So, really what I want you to get out today is learn from the mistakes that I made. Okay? Be honest with yourself. Pull the curtains back. Take some tactics with you and just make it happen. All right? Use this as a tool, not a task that we're telling you you have to do it. That's when I really blew up because Kendra made me understand it. For even when I first joined the core, for about a year and a half, I just did the PL because my coach told me to do it, right? You just said it. I get a PL every single month, but I don't understand it. So we're going to talk about how to grow your business using the PL. All right? A lot of different things. How to make sure you're profitable. How to make sure you're money. I'm going to share you a lot of mistakes that I made so you don't have to go through what I went through. Okay? So I'm going to turn it back. We're going to teach this to you. And once you get to learn it, my bookkeeper or CPA doesn't even turn it in fast enough for me. I need to know on the first of the month where I'm at. They give it to me on the seventh. I can't wait that long. Right? I mean, you feel like it's like... what? Like the 30th of the month's coming, I have anxiety. I want to know where I'm really at. Okay? So this is going to help you build some predictability in your business as well. Okay. So, two things you need to know. GCI is crap. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Okay? GCI is crap. So you got to stop talking GCI. If you've been around here more than about five minutes, you know we talk about taxable income. It's not how much you make, it's how much you pay. Okay? So when we're talking about numbers today, in this room, we're talking about net taxable. That's what we're trying to get you to, so you know how much you get to keep, okay? The other thing is, is how many of you tell your buyers when they see their truth and lending statement uh, at the closing table, you say, that's the freak-out form, don't look at it. Anybody say that? This is your freak-out form, because this is about to get down and dirty. This is about for you to figure out what it really costs you to run your team or your shop and how profitable you really are, Okay? 
So there's going to be some fears. There's going to be maybe some tears. It's okay. We're going to get through it. I shared a little bit about this at our table today, and as we get ready to start, you're going to go to page, where's the blank one? Here we go, on page 253. Go find our blank one. I shared this at the lunch table. Oh, I lied. I'm sorry. It's 252. Um, at the lunch table today, I shared that when I came to the core for the first time, uh, I'd just been named Realtor of the Year. I had over 200 closings. I had a moving truck. I had uh, two billboards. I had uh, never bought any leads, but I was still spending a ton of money, right? And so when I got here and I told Rick, I said, you know, I'm hot stock. I'm really hot stock. He says, great. How much money did you make? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, well, first thing you have to do to get my program is you have to show me your tax return. Well, guess who hadn't done one? So I went home and I did my tax return. True story. Over $880,000 on my tax return. On my W. I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Over $880,000 made on my 1099. Does anybody want to guess? No. Not those of you that were sitting at the table today. Anybody want to guess how much I kept? $160,000. One seventy nine was my taxable income in two thousand four. You do the math, you can see I was a little broken. Right? So when I had to send my tax return to Rick, he said, You're one bad month away from bankruptcy. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. I I am. I had no idea. I had never done a P and L. I had checks, I wrote them. I had bills, I paid them. I didn't know what I was speaking. Right? Nobody had taught me that. So as painful as this is for you, we've all been there. Okay, so as Kay said, when we're going through this exercise, be real with yourself because you're going to have to get naked, which I say a lot if you ever coach with me, you got to get naked to fix the problem. Okay, you got to bear your soul, you got to find out where the problem is, and then you got to fix it. Okay, so what we're going to do today, um, we used to walk you through a completed P&L. And what we found is if you don't write it down, you're not, it's not going in. Okay. So you've got a blank P&L in front of you, and we're going to walk you through it and explain how to do it. Now, here's my rule. You cannot raise your hand and ask me a question until I'm done. Okay? It gets us derailed, and there's too many different models. So let me start with this. Write your question down. Star something. I promise we'll get all your questions answered. The cool thing is I haven't inter- uh, introduced Jeff yet, but we have Jeff Frangiconnelly here, who is Rick's money guy who is my money guy. He can answer a ton of money questions. He'll be in the money class with us tomorrow. He'll be here tonight hanging out. He'll be here tomorrow. Rick brings resources to us so we can get questions answered. I am not a CPA. I'm not a money person. I do this simple little thing that y'all are going to do, and then I send 12 of these to my CPA, and guess what? It's really simple. He figures out what I owe or if I owe anything, and I'm done. Okay? So you cannot ask me a question and hijack this this little session until I'm done. There? Okay. All right. So at the top of this form there, I want you to write, you're gonna, you're an agent. So put agent on an 80-20 split. Average sales price is 250 This is just for your sample, just to get in your mind what we're doing. Okay? You're an agent on an 80-20 split. Your average sales price is 250 Just write it across the top. All right? Now, if you look on the left side of your sheet, Section one, at the very top, you've got the month and the year. So let's write today's, might write May 2019. And then you see the word section one. 
Section 1 is all the expenses. All you have to remember is on the left side of the page are all the expenses. The right side of the page is going to be all the income. Okay? So we're going to start on what does it cost us to run our Kinder Cook Inc. today. Okay? The top section, it says office expenses. Write a note out beside there that says these fees happen every month. These fees happen every month. All right. I'm going to give you some expenses. You're going to jot them in the line. So on line one, write rent, 950. Core coaching, 3000. Phone and internet, 500. Supplies, 200. Postage, 500. Printing, 400. Copy, 250. Ads, print, social media costs, $1,000. Photos, $1,000. Your subtotal is 7800 bucks. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. These are the fees that happen every month in your business. They're going to change every month. Your phone bill might be off $4. Your printing might be up $6. The truth of the matter is these numbers change, but those little items aren't going to change. You have to pay rent. You have to pay printing. You have to pay postage. So what you're going to change is just the number. You're not going to change the actual expenses, okay, because they happen every single month. This is how you streamline a process. You do it once, and then every month you're just going to fill in the fee that fits in that blank. Does that make sense to everyone? Okay. Any lessons around the top section there so far, Kay? You want yeah, to share? For, for me, this is one of the easier parts because when you look at the office expense to the left, what category, what, what that is, never really changes. Like you'll have, a, you'll have a few different things that will change, like your phone bill, maybe some postage or, or something like that. But one thing that... When I started letting this get out of control, okay, is when money was coming in, and revenue was coming in so much, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay attention to this part, okay? Where I started to look to see where I could save some money is, any time, and, and Kendra was always really good at this, tell me if your expenses on this section are higher, and tell me why it's higher than the, pa- the previous few months. So one thing that we started to do to actually help me save some of that money was to highlight that section, which was my phone bill. My phone bill, for some reason, got out of control. It's been like six, seven hundred bucks a month on my phone bill. I was like, wow, that's crazy. So I highlighted it, gave it to my personal assistant, and said, hey, I need you to go find me a better deal. Dropped it down to about three hundred bucks, saved some money there. In addition to that, in the beginning of my career, and this is where I think a lot of us are in here, I paid off of one card, the same card I paid my mortgage on, I was using it for my business expenses. You know how difficult that is to go through line by line, lunch, gas, rent, this, that. I mean, it was a nightmare because no one told me that I needed to keep a separate business um, checking account. So how I operate is I have a separate checking account attached with the savings account, which is where I typically keep 
my float money in there, okay? And we'll get to that point as well. But the first thing you have to do is you have to separate your business and your personal expenses. Right now, by a show of hands, and then try to be honest, okay? I know it's painful. Who still mixes that with their personal expenses? Okay. The good thing is that you're going to understand that today, and you're going to, you should be able to fix it by Monday. Okay? And a lot of times I used to do it because I didn't know when money was coming in. Right? Right? I didn't know money. I didn't know. And I was, it was just so scary. So I was always so concerned by keeping money here when I knew I couldn't pay my rent. But you know what it challenged me to do? Pick up the phone and start calling. Mm-hmm. Okay? Absolutely. So one thing in this area, you're always looking to see where you can trim some costs to save some extra money. Make sure you're getting, because these are a lot of reoccurring costs, right? Other things, I, re, I came in and I negotiated my rent down. Right? I was with my broker and I said, hey, I don't think I'm getting a pretty good deal. I'm like one of your top agents. What can you do? Dropped it by 200 bucks. Okay. But if I didn't have a full understanding of my business and I was waiting till uh, August of the, you know, the next year to do my taxes from the previous year, because that's how it was for me. Right. Right? Because you'd get that letter in the mail. It's so scary. So, those are a few tactics there. All right, so two points he pointed out I want to I want to remind you guys of. How many of you got your blue beast before you got here? Everybody got a blue beast or got one when they got here? Okay, so when we do these, they stay in your blue beast month after month after month. So when I say, if I'm coaching you, if he's coaching you or anyone's coaching you, they're going to say, hey, is your section one up or down from last month? You can just go to the previous month and go, we're right on track. We're off $20 or we're off 2000 Like, what the heck? Like, especially with those of you that don't do your own right now, Month over month, are they going up? Or are they going down? I mean, if you're not assessing it, you don't know, right? Okay. All right. The other thing that he said was the credit card. How many of you have credit card debt in here? We got to get that paid down. Okay. So the fastest way to do that is when your credit card statement comes in every month, you itemize that thing. You don't just put credit card five thousand dollars. You put credit card ads two hundred. Postage, 500. Printing, 700. And you start itemizing that out and you watch it month over month and you're seeing, is it going up or is it coming down? Is it pretty stable? Because here at the end of the day, you guys, you got to figure out what your team expenses are so you know how much money you got to make. Because those of you that aren't tracking your money, how do you know how much money you have to go make? Oh, I think I'll do two deals next month. Well, if two deals don't even cover section one, where's the rest of the money coming from? That's why we go to the credit card. That's why we go to the float account. That's why we get ourselves in trouble. Oh, we're not going to pay our quarterly taxes right now. We'll do it next month. Well, guess what? Next month never comes because then we only have two more closings. You've got to stop doing that. So when you get home, if you have credit card debt, we're going to talk about it in the money class tomorrow, you got to stop spending on that credit card. Pay it off, get a new one, low balance, and get yourself out of debt. Too much stress and fear and disorganization to live with every day. How many of you are staying up at night worried about your money? Yeah, there's a lot of us in here. Okay, so that's what this class and the class tomorrow is all about. All right, we're going to keep moving. Next section, wage expenses. How many of you pay yourself a salary? Fantastic. I don't care if it's a draw. I don't care if it's a salary. I don't care. As long as you take a monthly amount, it goes there. Okay? Along with any other employees that you pay 
by just two. So in the core, we talk about an RP1. That's an administrative position. You pay them $30,000 a year. It breaks down to $4,000 a month. Whatever it is, it goes there. So for the sample out beside there, you want to write my wage and team members' wages. Realtor partner one is an unlicensed admin, and a realtor partner two is a buyer's agent or a showing assistant. You'll learn that. Has anybody been to team class yet? Have you guys been to team? That's tomorrow. Okay. So your wages and your team wages go in this next section. Okay? So write yourself down, your name down, and put $5,000 for our sample. And under it, put RP1 with taxes paid, 3400 so your salary is five thousand. The team members getting thirty four hundred. So the total there is eighty four hundred for your subtotal. Okay. Everybody understand what goes there? No questions. Any questions around wages or aha moments? Okay. Um, I don't know. I, for me, it's like everything started to change when I was able to start to take a salary. That's when I know my business was a lot more predictable. Um, we won't get really get into this, but if you want to ask me after, I can answer this question. But it helps save me on some taxes. Okay, so there's different models out there that we can speak to, and I don't know if we have some time, we might be able to answer some of those questions. But that's when it really changed for me because I was able to take a salary because I started to build my company float, which we'll talk about, even when I didn't make any money. Okay? So I never worried about paying my rent or my mortgage, never worried about my car payment, food, nothing like that. And you're going to learn about something called the survival number tomorrow. I take that amount to make sure I can pay my expenses every single month. So that's a great point. So here's another note you should write about your wages. Okay? So here's the thing. How many of you have ever blanked a month and not known how you were going to pay your personal bills because you didn't have money in the company to take home? Be honest. Oh, me too. Right? No. For sure. So... When you put your wage in there and we figure out what it costs you to run your team and we're going to build your float account with that wage included in a moment, you won't have to ever do that again. How nice would it be to have a float account sitting over here with all of your expenses could be covered and your personal wages could get paid and your team could get paid and you wouldn't have to spend it on a credit card. That's the ultimate goal. So that's why the wage is in here. You may not be able to go home today and start paying yourself a wage, but the ultimate goal is to get yourself on a draw or a salary, whatever you want to call it, so when we build your float account, you always have that one month in there. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. All right, so we're going to keep moving. So miscellaneous out in the side, I want you to write uh, expenses that happen occasionally. Expenses that happen occasionally. These are, oh, we're out of signs. i got to run down and buy two $50 signs. Or, oh, gosh, we're out of lockboxes. I need to go purchase a lockbox. Or, I'm having my quarterly client party, so I'm going to spend $1,000 on the movie that Rick talked about this morning or whatever. So these are things that just happen occasionally, not every month. Because where does the every month's expenses go? Office expenses, right. Okay, you guys are getting it. I love it. So here's for our sample. Here's four miscellaneous expenses we're going to write in there. A sign, 200 bucks. Accountant fees, 300 bucks. Accountant fees. Mm-hmm. Gifting, 
And the last one is dining or recreation team. Dining out with taking a client to lunch, coffee, taking your team for a team outing, recreation. That's $500. Your subtotal is $1,400. The big lesson around this little box right here is if you don't have no money, you don't have no expenses in there. You can't gift if you don't have any money. What you're going to find out is you will never make another decision about your business till you consult your P&L ever, ever, ever again. What happens is I can pick on us because I'm one of you. We are realtors. Okay? I want a new laptop. God bless you. I just run out and buy a laptop. I'll just, I'll make another closing next month and I'll pay for it next month. Right? How about we go to our P&L and go, dang, we don't have enough closings. My flow account's a little low. That laptop's going to have to wait. I'm not putting that on my team. You've got to get conscious about your money. You don't go spend it and then figure out how to pay it back. You consult your P&L before every dime you spend, especially when you're buying extracurricular stuff. When somebody comes to you and says, hey, you want to buy the billboard on the side of the interstate? Guilty. <laughs> uh, sure. I should have never been buying Billboards on the side of the interstate, I can afford them. I wasn't doing a P&L, so I was like, sure, I got a check. Right? Anything around the miscellaneous fees? The more you start to do your P&L, like I have years of this stuff. Every November when we come here for another summit, I'm already setting budgets for this stuff. Where you do not go over for this month. This is where my team spends a whole lot of money, but they have a budget they have to follow. Okay, when we're looking at a tough quarter, right, we knew November, we're all talking about it, it was scary, something was coming. Okay, that's the first area where I go to cut. All right, it's not that I cut my gifting as a whole, I just don't give the expensive gifts. Right. Right? I really lean on my partners. Okay, so now instead of, you know, we're going to talk about having client events and happy hours, you don't stop doing that stuff. Maybe you don't do something quite as expensive. Maybe you don't go and spend $4,000 at the movie event. You go do something at the park, get some barbecue, okay? There's many times I'm out there flipping burgers because I'm the one that has to flip the bill, okay? Um, number one, so set budgets for these things. Look for wasteful spending and cut it. So I'm going to tell you a little pain story. Last year, man, I was, it seemed like money was coming in and it was, it was fantastic. So I got a great idea where I gave one of the office girls my American Express card. And since we were doing so well, I would buy coffee at Starbucks for them every single week. Okay? And then when we were coming into January and February, those months weren't that great. So I started looking into that. I was like, wow, that's the only line that didn't move. Everything else went down $140 a week spending on Starbucks. Yeah, cut that out pretty quick, right? We can go buy some coffee. Starbucks pay cut. Yeah, go buy it, have it in the <laughs> office. I could buy a Keurig for the amount they're spending every single week, right? I have a really large team. Starbucks is expensive, okay? Um, I want to talk about being a great partner in here too, okay? You're going to hear a lot of things um, where you as a partner are going to go to your lender, your title person, 
Don't ask them for money if you don't plan to give them something in return. Okay? That's the number one way you will lose a friendship, a partnership. It's if you're the person that just takes, 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 takes. Okay? There's a way you do it properly. Okay? Start very small with them. So my happy hours now, I get four partners that come in with me, and it all changed. I used to only have two partners that did it. But after the first quarter, I said, you know what, I'm going to ramp this up a little. So I have two people that always, every single month, which is my lender, I give them a ton of business, and my title company, which I give them a ton of business. And I have two rotating people, my pest control, my home inspector, my insurance person, and they rotate through just to help out with some of the costs. My job as a really good partner is I'm going to bring you business. Thank you for supporting my business. Just watch out. The floodgates will open. Okay? So a couple of things, too. I used to do a lot of mailing, tons and tons of mailing, you know, because I was that person. I had 2,000 people in my database because we'd sell so many properties. I would mail to everyone. I was wasting money because of the large database, there's only like 300 or 400 people I actually talked to that actually pick up the phone during those times. So all the other people got the, like an e-brochure, an e-newsletter, instead of me mailing out to all of those people. Okay, so understanding this type of stuff, you, the more you start, you're in the core and you understand your lead tracking, you can see bad months coming. Okay, and that's where I start to trim. It's from the miscellaneous expenses. Good point. Okay. Good. Okay. Lastly, down there, personal expenses. Don't get in the weeds like, I only have one credit card, the company might pay for this, the company might not pay for this. Personal expenses are anything the company pays for on your behalf with the company card or the company checkbook, okay? It's not, here's all my bills, make my mortgage payment. We don't commingle funds. People go to jail for that, okay? So, on our example, in the side out there, write anything the company pays for me with the company credit card or a company check. It does not mean they will be written off 100% on your taxes. That's not what I said. I said a personal expense that's paid for by the company checks or company credit cards. You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay. So the four things I wrote down here, car payment, 700 bucks. That's car, huh? <laughs> Fuel. 250. Let's be honest. How many of you drive luxury cars in here since you're ratting me out? Me too. I do. I do. Okay, come on. That's your mobile office. Has to look good. All right. So fuel 250. He's trying to throw me under the bus right there. Did y'all see that? Health insurance. 700 bucks. Cell phone. 200 bucks. Your total is 1850. The very bottom number is $19,450. How many of you think your team probably costs you about twenty grand a month? Does anybody think that's probably about what it costs? This is a pretty good model, okay? We'd love to give you a pretty sound sample. People that come in the course, some of them either have giant teams or some of them have no teams or maybe one team. So I try to start simple to give you an idea of what your P&L would look like with one assistant. Okay? All right. Any questions on the expenses? Yes, sir. Could you please clarify what personal expenses are again? It's anything that your company pays on you for personal behalf. Okay? So, like, I'm self-employed. Most of us are. 
um, I don't have any health benefits. So one of the things that my company pays for me and my family is my health benefits. Okay? I primarily only had a work car for years and years and years. We have five cars and there are only three of us to drive. I've got plenty of cars to choose from. My work car was my A6, and I only drove it for work. So the company made that car payment. I'm not telling you that I wrote it off on my taxes. I'm just telling you the company physically wrote the check to Audi Financial, and that was my car payment. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. Thank All you. right. Yes. Thank you. So for the wages, um, we um, do a W-2 for you know two people, mm-hmm. and then we just pay at the end of the year. I know it's really bad, but we so uh, we don't pay monthly for ourselves. So. Um, do you think or recommend we start paying for our stuff monthly? Because we can do it at the end of the year just to, for tax purposes, just for write-off. I think you talk to your CPA or your accountant, but I can tell you for budgeting purposes and for always building your float account, I would definitely budget for yourself to get some kind of salary. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot easier if you're doing it every single month. Yes. On your supplies that you're for the office expenses, are those from the month previous or are these estimated for the current month? You are itemizing your credit card for the month. So if my credit card comes in and it says I owe $1,507, I itemize that credit card bill. Instead of just writing credit card $1,500, I've taken that credit card statement and I said my core payment was on there, my supplies were on there, my postage was on there. So I'm itemizing my credit card for the statement that I'm paying right now. Okay. So it's for it's the previous, previous month. Expenses, but yep. it's the bill you're paying today. Okay. Does that make yeah. sense? So if okay. you're in May, you're looking. You're if you're in May right now, when we do our P and L, which is usually due on by the third, you're doing it for the month prior. You you're going to find out what your net taxable was for that month before. Oh, this you're is getting not ready one. to see this, and that's yeah. why I didn't want to get too deep into the questions because I'm going to itemize. You've got to keep going so this all pulls together. Yes, Chris. Oh, sorry. When you're talking about wages, so for an RP1, you said 3,400. That was including the employee taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's just a, that's I just that's a 36,000 dollars salary, roughly, I think it is, or something like yeah. that. So. Because I know I, I I make sure that <clears throat> I know it's roughly like 10 to 12 percent on top of what their salary is. Yeah. So I you guys know what your salaries are. This is just a sample, so make sure that you know what you're paying and that you budget for those. And if you have five, then you could put five RP1s cost me X, or you could itemize them out. Depends on whose eyes are going to see this. So, hey, anything you want to add about personal expenses? Yes. So, just remember, it's okay to make money. It's okay to pay taxes. All right. Where I see people start to, you know, go wrong here is they write everything off they can. Good luck going to buy a house. Good luck getting a car. Right. It's okay to make money. And we talked to Rick the other night. Everyone's complaining like, hey, can I write this off? He's like, no. It's okay to pay taxes. He pays like $5 million a year in taxes. He loves it. Okay? So it's okay to do that. And one thing, because we're just going to start capping off our expenses here, grow slowly. Where I got into trouble was I grew too fast, and I grew to my vision that was so far away because I kept comparing myself to other people. Right? You know what you want to do and you want to build. Stick with your vision. Grow slowly. Because if you're adding too much on the Section 1 before the revenue starts to catch up to it, you're going to be in big trouble because that's not something you can cut immediately. Right. Especially okay. if you go into contracts on billboards or moving trucks. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Okay. Coming out of the account. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So what did I say is on the left? What do we track on the left? Yeah. Right. What do we track on the right? Income. All right. So let's talk about the income. Out in the margin, you see the top thing says Section 2 Income. Section 2 Income is any income 
that comes to you, your team, that you did not produce? I'm going to explain. i got some deer in the headlights. Income that you did not produce. Okay? Transaction fees. Anybody in here charge a transaction fee? Okay. Your transaction fees go up there. Anybody have 50-50 buyer's agents in here? Yes. Their income goes in Section 2. That simple. Any income. I don't touch the 50-50 buyer agent deal. So it doesn't go in somewhere else. It goes right there. Don't overcomplicate it. So what I want you to write in those blank lines is the number two, the name Bob. Write 5-0 slash 5-0 like a 50-50 split. And out beside him, he made $6,000 off of Bob. So Bob closed two deals on a 50-50 split. Your take-home was six grand. This is what you take home. Not what the broker gets. What you get. What numbers did we talk about here? Net. Net. Gets people in trouble. You guys want to put all your gross stuff on here. Okay? Underneath Bob's name, I want you to write the number one. The name Sue. The 50-50 split. And write 3400 the total is $9,400. Does that make sense to everyone? This is income from your buyer's agents or a processing fee or a referral fee. You send a referral fee out, you get a check back for five grand, write it up there. You didn't touch the deal, you just got paid. Simple enough? Okay, we're going to keep moving. Section three, out beside right, my money. This is your Income off the deal you did. It is your take home from the broker. Okay? So for our sample from the pay log where it says from pay log, write $30,000. Under number of units, write the number four. If you divide four into 30,000, it is 7500 so revenue per unit would be $7,500. Total revenue would be $30,000. We're just showing you what you're netting per unit on average. Does everybody see that? So you did four deals, you made thirty grand. Your team did three deals, and you made ninety-four grand or ninety-four hundred. Make sense? All right. Now we got to take all of that's our income, and we got to reconcile at the next section. So go down, and it says section four. Now we're going to see how profitable you really are. This is where it can get really ugly. You spent too much, and you didn't generate enough. Okay? So the very top line says section two total was 9,400. Section three income was. 30,000. Our total gross income is 39,4. Subtract our expenses from section one, which was what? 19,450. 
if you do the math, 39.4, subtract out your expenses, your taxable income is $19,950. That is your taxable income for the month. But guess what? You're not done. Uncle Sam's coming! <laughs> so now you got to pay him. This form says 25%. Some of you are paying 30%. Some of you are paying 35%. You're going to have to know what your tax bracket is. Get with your CPA, your accountant. But change that number to make it fit for you. As I made more and more and more and more money, my accountant said, just put 40% over there and see why it ain't. I loved it because I never wrote checks anymore. My money was going to Jeff, and Jeff was making me money instead of owing it to the IRS. Okay? So if we finish out the equation in this example, 25% of the 1950 is 4987.50. 4987.50. So close to five grand in taxes. It's subtracted out. So after taxes, we get to take home 14,962 bucks and 50 cents. 14,962.50. You feel better about doing a P&L now. Pretty simple, right? Keep the expenses on one side. Keep the income on one side. Pay Uncle Sam. Okay? We're going to dig into the bottom, but I want to pause for a second and see what Kay wants to see I say about Section 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, Section 2, I want to just go over my, the reason why Kendra had me cancel Zillow. Because i got to tell you, it was tough. And I did bring it down slowly. It was a smart thing for me to do to, so all my buyers didn't just up and leave one day and I could start to build some of my referral accounts to give them some leads. Okay, so I was spending $10,000 a month on Zillow. $10,000 a month. And Zillow, on average, was giving me about $25,000 gross commission income. Okay, but I had 50-50 split people early in my career. So what was my cut? 12-5? 12-5. Okay. How much was I spending? 10 how much was left over? 2500 Okay, so I had to go pay someone to take the call. So I had somebody at the time that was taking some of these leads, which we don't do, right? You convert all your own leads. That cost me $3,000. How much was Zillow making me now? Negative 500 Okay, I need a transaction coordinator that was paying about $3,000 a month to transaction coordinate those deals that came in. Where am I at now? Negative 35 Okay, so you have to understand your profitability for, on your Section 2. Okay? Um, next thing. You can't dele- you, you don't delegate sales. In this program, we sell. I am the number one salesperson on my team, and it's not even close. It's the most profitable activity that you can have, but we do build and promote you to build a team to help you out with the, the section, you know, the section two side, so that you can have freedom in your life. You can take vacations and not worry and have to answer your phone. Because I know there's a lot of people here that do that. Okay. And one last thing. Pay your taxes every month. The longer that you hold on to it, you begin to think that's your money and it gets harder and harder to cut that check. And let me tell you, cutting a check for $10,000 a month is a lot easier than $250,000 after interest and penalties. IRS is the worst the worst predator you can have because they'll take your house. Yep. Right. For sure. So. Jeff, come up here and expand on us. Where's that mic? Oh, you got it. Okay, cool. Give him some feedback on the P&L. Jeff is our money guy. We've got many questions. This is the guy. He makes me a lot of money. 
Well, I got to tell you, I've been uh, a part of the Corps coming to these events, um, I want to say 17, 18 years now, at least count, but uh, it's, it's, it's only been five years, it's been five years as of March that I actually was a student, right? So Rick actually gets on a call with me every month, or I should say I get on a call with him every month, and um, i gotta, I got to give you a couple facts. So in my world, assets under management is a big factor in financial planning. We try to raise assets, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like building a house brick by brick. And when I started uh, being coached by Rick, mind you, I'd already been a part of these classes going on 15 years, but it's different. It's different uh, than actually doing it. My assets under management have actually tripled, and a little bit more than that, actually. I've been, I said that last, uh, uh, I guess it was November, and it's now probably a little bit more than that by, uh, by uh, almost, almost quadruple. And my, and my income has more than doubled. Uh, but more importantly, I crossed, I want to say, um, the $10 million mark I crossed in, in, in December in assets or liquid money of my own, right? So every single month, I'm putting money away like clockwork. 20% is the minimum, and many times it's 50%. And I'm telling you right now, there's no chance that that would be the case if I hadn't had someone like a Rick Ruby, and there's no one better, on my case, looking at my numbers, uh, verifying, uh, double-checking. And, and, and I think the guy has a deal with somebody because how he figures stuff out about what I'm doing wrong without me telling him exactly. is so yeah. weird. It's like he's the whisperer. It's like you've been you're you're too angry. I'm like, what are you you're smiling right now? I, you didn't hear me yell ten minutes ago. I don't even have you. He just knows. I don't know how to say it. And it's a it's a gift and it's a curse. I bet. But um, accountability is critical. I mean, having someone I don't care who it is that you respect looking at your numbers, checking you, and, and really just having you be able to tell someone what you're doing. It's, it's, you know, and I have, I've been working with the Kendra Cooks and folks like yourself ever since the first time I came to this event because I was Rick Ruby's financial planner before I would ever be allowed in to this event. And there's people that I have been working for since day one. Specifically, I can remember the people, right, because you become close to them, you get to know them, and you, you're, you're a part of their lives and they're a part of your lives. And i got to tell you, in, in many cases, they are, they're getting coached, and they're phenomenal. They're putting money away. They're like clockwork. Everything's fiscal. They're happier. All the nine, all, all the, uh, the things that make us happier, right? Because of that comfort and that security. But then guess what? They deviate, right? They stop coaching. Ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it myself. I can do it, right? Well, I'm gonna tell you something. It's within six months that it goes back to the way it was. And they're back to the bad habits. And they're back to not saving. And all of a sudden they're buying the things and doing different things that they wouldn't do if they knew. And I, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm more com- comfortable. I'm more confident. I get along better with my spouse. I'm happier. I just feel more secure. And I don't react. And I got to say, I agree with you. I'm itching for those numbers, right? I know what I'm spending. And I'm, anytime I think about doing something that I, I would say is outside the bounds of what I would normally do with my discretionary income, I reflect back on that next P&L discussion. And it makes me think twice. And if you don't have that accountability, it just doesn't happen. So I can sit here and talk about line item number four and make sure you add this in. But at the end of the day, doing it every single month, and i got to tell you as well, teaching it, it. There's nothing better than learning something than when you actually teach it. I don't know how it works for you, but when I'm actually teaching and talking to Kendra and going through, it just makes me an expert more so for myself. So give it back, right? You have to not only uh, achieve it yourself, but then give it back, and, and you'll become an expert even quicker. Um, and I can tell you that you, even if you're not a part of this, the system, if you're not a part of being coached, if you can implement this into your daily routine or your monthly routine, 
I'm just telling you, there's no comparison from sitting in this room twice a year versus actually doing the work. Okay? So if I can just add to and extend upon what I think I'm not going to be able to teach it as well as Kendra. And I'm sorry, your first name. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, you know, what do you do with the money, right? So first and foremost, you get the survival account. You get that three times your, your survival number and whatever you're going to need because of a wedding or a, a trip or a project in the next two years. Because I'm going to tell you right now, any monies that you're going to need in the next two years, you have zero business investing. Okay? Because guess what? The market was down 139 points today. And it was down yesterday. And it was down the day before. And we can't predict that stuff because at the end of the day, earnings are strong. Interest rates are low, and money and people are making more money than I've seen in my career, yet the market's down 500 points this week. You tell me where that's logical, right? Um, we'll get through it. It's an opportunity, and if you're dollar-cost averaging, you're excited. I put 100 grand in the market yesterday. I, I was waiting for the opportunity, and I did without hesitation, right? So you're going to go through these ebb and flows, but my point is you don't put that money into the market or any investment long-term if you're going to need it in the next two years. And I'll give you plenty of examples. Uh, I'll give you one. I had a, uh, a very good friend today who had hired me shortly after the event. Uh, lives on the West Coast in um, one of the most beautiful areas in California. And he has this beautiful home that he said, you know what, I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to go build this other home for my wife and I that we've dreamed of having in Newport Beach, right? But you know what, I'm not going to sell this house until this house is complete, right? Well, this was back in 2008 when he started the project. And it ended in the first quarter of 2009. Guess what happened? He couldn't sell his house. And if he would sell his house, it would be a fraction of what he thought he was going to get. But yet he still had to pay for the house he built. So what he had to do is liquidate his account by about 40%. And guess what? It was already down 40%. So there was no recovering. And here's a gentleman who's in his mid-50s. Right? He's got that dream house now, though, doesn't he? Right? You cannot do that. You cannot recover from that mistake. I can give you several others. That's pretty drastic. Okay? So that's first and foremost. Make sure... You have that survival account and that next two years set aside because I'm going to tell you right now, you, you have to plan for the worst and prepare, prepare for the best. And believe me, I, as I stand in front of you, we are going to have another market crash. It probably won't be anywhere near the same as the last because it never is. And it hopefully won't be as dramatic, but I promise you it's coming. And we're either going to take advantage of it or we're going to be a victim of it. And if you're a part of this crew, I promise you, you will not be a victim of it. If you follow the A, Bs, and Cs, so one, discretionary, or excuse me, float account. Identify, make sure you have it there, make sure you're thinking in terms of what big purchases are on their way. Once you've done that, the first step that I feel is most appropriate um, would be, well, even, even take a step back. I think it, I've got three little boys at home under the age of nine, and I may be close to independently wealthy, but we're not quite there yet, right? So I've got to make sure if I don't make it home, they're protected. So I have term insurance, right? I have $9 million in term insurance. I took it out five years ago, and I think I've increased it one time since. And it makes it so if I don't make it home, I know at least financially my family's secure, right? So I think that's, that's probably, if you have dependents, that's going to be even before what I'm about to tell you. So the second thing I would recommend, and every one of you might have different types of plans, but it's a similar concept in that you have a retirement plan that you get able to contribute pre-tax dollars into, that you're paying yourself before you pay the government, right? So that's about a 37, 45% uh, gift, if you will, that you can put away before they take that chunk out, right? You can't beat that anywhere, right? Secondly, you might have, if you're working for a corporation, you might have a match. The company might actually be matching your contribution. That's just an additional reason to do it. But the first reason is more than enough. 
So get that money maxed out. Some of the rules are if you're pre-50 and you're doing a typical 401k, it's 19000 If you're post-50, you can do an additional 6000 Okay. If you're self-employed, there's other plans that you can do very similar amounts. And matter of fact, it's actually more flexible. You can actually do more. Okay. I can tell you, uh, being a fiduciary and, 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 and which basically just means that I'm a retirement plan specialist and I'm held to a higher, uh, standard. I can give you all those rules. I'm not going to, um, take too much time today talking about the different plans, but you're going to hear things like simple 401ks, SEPs. Okay. And then there's even additional plans on top of that because those two plans, you can contribute up to 55,000 into a pre-tax. Okay. So and once you've maxed that out, the next thing is to put into your taxable account, right? So put money into that longer-term account that's actually non-retirement specific, right? So we want to be able to put away a certain amount of money into that specific investment, right? So keeping in mind that those are dollars that we know we're not going to be touching for five years or longer. This is not the survival account. This isn't the liquid account. This is separate from those two. This is money you know within a high degree of certainty. You're not going to need this money for at least five years. Why, why do I keep using that? Time horizon of five years. Let's just use an example. Okay, so 2008, well, prior to 2008, the top of the market, right, the top of the two major indexes that uh, Rick had spoken about earlier today, the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones, which is comprised of the 30 largest companies in each industry, um, those two indices peaked, one in September of 07 and the second one in October of 07. I can't remember which was which, right? But then it was just a drastic, or excuse me, a gradual but yet dramatic decline that uh, actually bottomed out March 9th of 09. I remember that very vividly as I live it, right? Um, but how long did it take for us to get back to that October of, of 07 um, number again? How, how long did it take to recover? The answer is, then we want to guess? No? Pretty close. Four and a half years, right? It was literally four years in one quarter and four years in almost two quarters, depending upon the index, right? Those two big indexes, right? They're sort of the gauge of how the U.S. markets are doing, right? So in the worst crash in the history of our generation, the second one would have been the Great Depression, it recovered in less than five years. Well, we've done the study. We've taken, going back 100 years, every five years, right, in rolling periods, and it's you have like 99% chance that you'll have at least broken even if you did exactly what the markets did, okay? So I'm going to take it one step further, okay? So each, I'm going to call it basket of money, your 401k, maybe you've heard of a Roth IRA, which is another retirement plan that I can certainly educate you on if you have questions and when we take the questions and answers. And then there's your taxable money, right? There's going to be certain buckets of money that have special tax benefits and that are going to be longer term that we're going to be more aggressive in. Right? So the 401k, what are we doing? We're dollar cost averaging. We're putting money in every paycheck, hopefully, right? And you're taking advantage of this volatility, right? So that money is going to be more aggressive. One, because it's definitely money that should be the longest term, right? Especially if you're not retired. Five years or longer, in some cases, decades. So we don't need it yet. And think about this concept. Take the emotion out. If we can just get the market to go down again so we can go buy more, right? Or if we can get the market to stay flat for a while so I can get more money in, right? That's going to be to our advantage. Everyone's, it's the weirdest thing because when the market crashes, I can't get anybody to buy a stock. But yet when we're at the peak, everybody will buy, right? I know when I can get anybody to buy stocks or put more money in, I'm like, here comes, right? We're about to get hit. It's coming, right? But when I've got everybody saying, heck no, I'm not touching it, I'm just going to wait. Then I know we're, it's time, 
we're going to go. It's emotional. The market's emotional. The whole thing ties together, right? So the takeaway is there's certain baskets of money that you're going to be more aggressive in. And then there's the money that maybe we're going to be a little bit more balanced in because there is that potential I'm going to need the money sooner than I thought. And certainly I'm going to take certain pockets out first due to tax reasons, right? So, for example, the taxable money, and I'm going to use you, Kendra, her portfolio is 90% equities in her retirement plan, and it's about 50-50 bonds to equities in her taxable account. Okay? There's basically only three places you can put your money. We make it more complicated. The first is the sidelines. It's that survival account, money market, CDs, savings accounts, checking accounts, very liquid, accessible, hopefully there's a little bit of interest, right? But it's protected, right? The second place you can put your money is you loan it. You loan it to the government, you loan it to the state in a tax-free municipal bond, you loan it to a corporation for a specified period of time, right? The longer the time horizon of that loan, typically the more interest you're getting, right? But you're going to get just that amount, okay? The risks involved there are that the, um, the person or group that you're lending to could default. There's ways of mitigating that. The second and more popular discussion today is something called duration risk. The risk that I've lent money out for 20 years at a very low rate, historically speaking, right? And now I'm stuck with that rate. If rates go higher, I'm going to get just get that rate. We can mitigate that as well, right? But the third place we can put our money is we can take ownership in real estate, in companies, in a basket of companies, right? So essentially, we're going to want to diversify within those, those last two buckets relative to our time horizon, our risk assessment, and ultimately our objectives. And I know we're all trying to make the most of our money because that's the way we're taught, do the best we can, push, 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 but it's the opposite when it comes to investing. You want to take the least amount of risk relative to the goals that you've predetermined. And it goes back to having a plan. And it starts with the P&L. If you don't know your numbers, how in the heck can you have a plan? Once you have your numbers nailed down, then you're going to figure out how much do I need to save for my target retirement, right? I want to retire in five years. I want to retire in ten years. I want to buy my kids a house. I want to have a second home in Hawaii. What are your goals? But you got to start here with the P&L. You have to start with the numbers because it's going to make you accountable. It's going to make you tighter. It's going to make you happier. And then you can go on to the next phase, which is where do I put the money? Okay? Perfect. Thank you, Jeff. You guys are you, a lot of that you're going to hear more about tomorrow on the money side. So, Jeff, thank you, sir. So, Jeff comes to our money class. Give it up for Jeff. I just say, here's my money. Do whatever you want. <laughs> He's way smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, but you've got to have good advocates. Hold on one second, Chris on your side, but you're going to hear he talked about survival number and all of that, so we're going to get into more of that in the money class tomorrow. So if you're sitting there going, what's the survival number? Where does that come from? Hang tight. Okay? So I want to go back to section four, and I want to look at the number uh, that we're paying Uncle Sam. Okay? We in the core, you're going to hear tomorrow in personal money, but we have a business checking account, a business savings account, and a business credit card. Okay? So since we're talking about business today, I'm going to stop there. Checking account, savings account, credit card. Okay? The savings account is for you to move the tax money out of your checking account every month when you do your P&L. Because what happens when you leave your money in your checking account? Oh, I'm rich! We're going to buy that laptop, baby! That new iPhone 27, I'm still carrying an iPhone 2, as my son calls it, because um, I'm too cheap, right? It's not broken, I'm not going to fix it. But we don't 
think ahead that those taxes are in that account. So your tax account is your savings account for your business. So if you had just sat down and done this, and it says that you owe $4,987.50, you physically write that check or you go online and you move that money out of your checking account. You get it out of the checking account because you don't have that money to spend. It's already spoken for. Okay? So when you get home, if you don't have a tax account, you go to the bank and you take 50 bucks. And you go in there, I need to open a savings account. Okay? Put the $50 in there. Every quarter when your taxes are due, I swipe everything out of the tax account but 50 bucks because that's all I got when I started, and I send it to Uncle Sam. It's quite shocking that when my taxes are due, he goes, my accountant, oh, we owe you $173.43. I'm like, hallelujah, the IRS owes me, right? I don't want to get that, you owe $210,000. That would scare the bejeebies out of me, right? So even if I owed 173, I could write that check. I can't write the 200 because I've been spending all the money that I left in my account. Does that make sense? It doesn't cost you anything to go open a savings account. That's the purpose of that tax account. You know what you owe based on this P&L today. Go get the money out of your checking account. Okay? All right. Now we're going to look at the bottom section of this form. The credit card is we put everything on our credit card. Printing expenses, your coaching money. If you come into coaching, you'll have to put a credit card up. So anything that's on your credit card for the month, that's what goes, use the credit card for those kind of things, and then you pay it off every month when you itemize it on here. Okay? Uh, I don't, not many people do checks anymore. Like I order stuff on Amazon for supplies. I don't have, you know, so the credit card's for that. Oh, you could get the mileage too. Okay, all right, so let's look at the bottom. Okay, the first line on the left says company float balance. Okay, company float balance is one month of your Section 1 expenses. What did it cost us this month to run our team? 19450 How much should I have in my account, bare minimum, if we were going to have one month always in our float account? What should that number be? 20 grand, right? 20 grand. Which means that if you pay all your bills and you got $4,000 left, you're in trouble if you have a bad month next month. Because guess who ain't getting paid? You. Okay? So the ultimate number one goal on your P&L is to save one month of your expenses, section one, and leave it in your float account. So every month when you do your P&L, you will write what the company float balance is. And your coach will go, you spent 19450 bucks and you got 21280 score. Okay? Remember that in that section one, we put your salary. So if next month you blank, you can still write yourself a check to take home to your personal budget. You don't want to be like Rick was many, many months ago when he went home and said, I can't make my mortgage. And his wife said, go back to work. When you got kids at home, you got to make your mortgage. Okay? We take a lot of risk in our industry. So you got to make sure you CYA. Stop living like you're a millionaire when you ain't. Okay? 
So that company float balance should be one month to cover all your expenses, including your salary, at all times. Now, somebody's going to ask me, well, what if I have two months in there? Yay! Okay? I don't care, but I'm going to tell you this. The more you leave in there, what will happen? We'll spend it. So if you have an excess of money in there, after the first quarter, get it out of there. Move it to your personal savings account. Okay? All right. The next blank says salary. What salary did we pay ourselves? Look at the top. $5,000. So you just bring that number straight down. You paid yourself $5,000. The next one says taxable income. Go to section four. What was our number under taxable income? $19,950. Write it right there. Go back to the left side. Our tax balance. If this was January and we were doing our very first P&L of the month, what would our tax balance be? Forty-nine eighty-seven. You guys are catching on quick. I love it. Drop down to the next one. Cost to acquire. How much does it cost you to acquire a lead? It tells you how to figure it out. Take section one. Minus your salary, divided by the number of units. So in this situation, section one was nine. I almost said sexy one. Sorry, section one was sorry nineteen thousand four fifty. We take out our five thousand, so now we're at fourteen four fifty. You guys following me? Okay. Now we're dividing it by how many transactions we had. Four. So your total is two thousand. So every lead you get costs you $2,064. Expensive. Some of these guys, yeah. Oh, did I count it by seven? I probably did. Let's see, five divided by seven. Yeah, I did, sorry. Total, yeah, total deal. Total deal, sorry. So you got seven. So we've got the 19,450 minus your 5,000 is 14,450 divided by seven is 2,064. Sorry, I forgot we had our. Okay, time out. Anybody freak out? How many deals did you do yourself? How many deals did your team do? Bob did two and Sue did one. That's three. Three plus four is seven divided by your income is 2,064. Everybody follow that? Okay. Now, go to the word next to it that says profit. The ultimate goal in real estate is somebody helps you pay your expenses. Somebody help me pay this debt. It happens in Section 2. You can charge transaction fees. You can have buyer's agents. You can have referral fees. You can have showing assistance, but we want somebody to help us. Guys, everybody has a glass ceiling. There's only a limit so much you can do as your, by yourself. Okay? So when you start leveraging other people, you can make more money and raise that glass ceiling. Okay? So the ultimate goal, which Hayes model does this a lot, uh, so does some other guys that I coach, their section two covers all their section one income. How nice would that be? Because if Section 2 covers Section 1, then Section 3 is 100% profit. Let me say that again. 
is Section 2, the income from somebody else, covered all your expenses in Section 1, then your income would be 100% profit. Everybody understand that? Okay? So that's the ultimate goal. In this scenario, let's do the math because you're going to see that this model, it ain't profitable. Long term. Okay? So we take Section 2, which is $9,400. You take out $19,450, which is your expenses, you're negative $10,050. Now, you're really not negative because we were profitable in Section 4. But if you're really trying to get people to leverage and help you pay your expenses in this model, it wasn't profitable. Does everybody see that? Makes sense. Didn't lose anybody yet. Okay. All right. The next one, personal expense ran through the company. All you do is go up to personal expense, subtotal, eighteen fifty. bring it down. Everybody see that? So your personal expenses run through the company. All you're doing is taking your personal expense numbers straight down there. Your total. Everybody got that? Uh, just your personal expenses. Remember your per- personal expenses? We're 1850. Okay? Everybody see that? Okay? The bottom, the bottom section, the bottom two lines, we're going to go to the right side first. Okay? Everybody go to the right side of those bottom two lines first. And it says, gross, taxable, paid to owner, year to date. Everybody see that one? Okay. It tells you how to get that on underneath it, the little parenthesis. So it says, take the taxable income. What's our taxable income in Section 4? $19,950 plus your salary, which was 5000 this is a January P&L pretend first month, so we add them together. So our income is twenty four nine fifty, twenty four thousand nine fifty for this month. That's our income. Everybody see that? Anybody not see that? Okay. So in January we made twenty four thousand nine hundred and fifty bucks. It's a pretty nice model. Twenty five grand a month for twelve months. Pretty hot, right? Okay. Now, let me show you how to fix the other side on the left. This is your projected year income. If you stayed this course for 12 months, how much money would you make? It's your projection. Okay? It tells you what to do. This is your projected year and gross taxable paid to owner. How do we figure that out? You take your gross year to date. Remember, we're in January, so our gross year to date is $24,950. We got it from the right side. Okay? Divide it by 12. Well, we don't have to do that because it's January, so we just have that number times 12 months. If we made $24,950 a month for the next 12 months, we would make $299,400 taxable. Does everybody see that? Does anybody not see that? This is a projection. If every month you bring in roughly $25,000, you're going to end up at the end of the year at 300 taxable income. So... This is kind of your week at a glance calendar, but it's your month in a glance for your money. If your goal is to make 350, based on this, I'm 50 behind. I got to get one more deal a month. I got to get one more deal out of my buyer's agent. I got to cut a little bit more expenses. You guys see how this drives your business now? Where none of us ever looked at it, and we just prayed that we had money to pay our bills. Does this make a difference now? So the next time you want to spend money, 
you're going to look at your P&L promise. The ultimate goal is you raise enough in, uh, enough revenue in Section 2 to cover Section 1. Okay? If you don't, then that'll be a negative number. It doesn't mean you're not profitable. It just means if that's the model you're building, it wasn't profitable that month. The ultimate goal is that your team makes all the money to cover all the expenses, and then all your income is profit. So think about if, you, if that was the model here, you could have taken your 30000 plus your five, and you would have been making 35000 this month instead of twenty five. So 10000 more a month at the end of the year is hundred twenty grand. Does that make sense? That's why you look at those numbers. So let me give you guys one more thing so nobody runs out. Um, your survey is on page 319. Um, I want to make sure we covered everything on here. Did we address some of your fears? I can't hear you. Okay. Uh, the fear of having no money. Now you see why that's so important, right? So everybody's going to go home and figure out how to save some money. Did this simplify the time that was taking you to do your numbers? Is this system going to save you some time? Good. Okay. Not being organized. Does this tell you why you have to be organized? you got to get all your expenses on there. Okay? I have an accordion file at my house, and all my receipts go in it for the whole month. And then I can itemize my credit card statement when it comes in. Get yourself organized. Uh, you don't know how. Does everybody feel like they have somewhat of an easier task and a handle on how to do a P&L now? Everybody? Okay. Uh, not top of mind. Is it more on the top of your mind now before you go swipe that credit card for something fun? Yeah. Okay. And you run from the truth. It hurts a little bit, but you got to know where you are. You know, we say, hey, trust us with your biggest asset, but we don't even know if we got any assets. It's pretty stupid. Please give me all of your money in this house and trust me that I don't even have a house or I don't even have any money, right? So the fear around that should just dissipate as you get in the court and you start doing these every single month, all right? Anybody have anything last second? We're out of here. You're going back to general session. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Been listening to the Corps Sales Training Bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecorestraining.com.